This is Beat the Closing Line with Nicole, Mo, and Eli. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. I am your host, Nicole Russo, alongside a resident NFL analyst for thelines.com, Eli Hershkovich and Mo Nawara. Now, you know, every Tuesday we are taking a look at the opening NFL lines and discussing how we think those lines are going to move as we inch closer and closer to game time. As always, if you want to bet on any of the games that we talk about in today's video, then make sure to take a look at the bottom right-hand corner of your screen because that's where we have all of our best sportsbook sign-up offers. And make sure that you are giving this video a thumbs up, subscribing, and ringing the bell so you know every time we release a new video. And if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review and a comment for your chance to win an Amazon gift card. All right, now let's get into the football. You guys are 10 and four with your picks against the spread on this podcast so far. So before we get into the NFL week four wagers, let's recap how you guys did in NFL week three. Eli, go ahead and get us started. Yeah, it went three and three overall. Colts plus seven hit. I know Mo has some takes on that game. Maybe it shouldn't have come through. Chief special teams and Andy Reid. Not going for it on fourth down, kicking the field goal in the third quarter probably cost Kansas City backers a cover, but Colts plus seven came through. Commanders plus six and a half. Carson Wentz and Washington did not. Uh, They got blown out by the Philadelphia Eagles at home, so that bet was pretty gross overall. Bucks money line did not hit. I bet Bucks live plus eight. Luckily, that came through on the last drive for Tampa Bay's offense. Didn't get the two-point conversion, but at least the plus eight covered. Broncos plus two came through uh, in the final minutes, in the final six minutes of that game in the fourth quarter on Sunday Night Football, gross game overall too. And then Giants minus one. I know uh, Mo was on the other side of me there. He bet the Cowboys earlier in the week. New York lost their first game of the season and obviously didn't cover that number. So three and three overall, not a bad week, but want to bounce back in week four. Mo, what about your NFL week picks, but, but NFL week three picks, but can I just say like, can we all agree here that we've wasted like way too many hours of our life with Sunday night football, and Monday night football, those games were absolute garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday night football was Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo. Like you could make the case. It was Mitch Trubisky facing Blake Bortles <laughs> on Sunday night. That was, that was disgusting. Mo. I know you were higher on the Niners last week than Denver, but, and I know the 49ers outgained the Broncos in yards per play, but it was a, it was a brutal game to watch on both sides offensively. Yeah. I had Denver in a teaser actually. So good result for me. And we took Denver in, uh, in the contest for gridiron gamble. So good week actually for me, (laughs) super week, much better than Eli. Uh, I was on the other side of him for Packers and giants games. So I hit both of those. I think my only ugly loser was jets uh everything else came through i had ravens panthers um i i was with him on washington though actually but i never posted a number on that but i did lose (laughs) washington uh and and won tennessee as well um it, it was a good week for me for sure so uh yeah no complaints for sure this week Hey, I guess it doesn't matter how ugly the football game is. As long as you are winning your bets, it's a great football game in your book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, let's take it in to NFL week four. We're going to start off with the Vikings and the Saints. Now, the Saints have opened as a early 
home underdog as they are traveling across the pond for their game against the Vikings in London this week. Now, we've talked about the Saints struggling ever since it came out that Jameis Winston is playing through a back injury, but it sounds like Coach Dennis Allen is not considering, as of right now, putting in veteran quarterback Andy Dalton. Eli, how much has this Winston injury impacted your call to take the Vikings minus two and a half here? Yeah, so this line opened at Minnesota minus one and a half, and that was the look-ahead line coming into Sunday, and it got bet up pretty quickly, adjusted uh, along with the betting market coming in. It, it's up to minus three, which you could find that line over at thelines.com. Pretty much two and a halfs across the board. I think there's a juiced two and a half points bet, but minus 110 both ways at every other sports book. Obviously, injuries playing a role in that line. Dalvin Cook with his injury, Uh, may or may not play, and then Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, um, they're not going to be out long-term, but it could impact New Orleans' offense and especially their passing game, which has been anemic to this point uh, over the last two weeks. It could impact Winston, who obviously is playing with that injury that you mentioned. So taking this a step further, Dennis Allen said on the, uh, the Winston back injury, every time it, which is the custom back play, presses down on Winston's Whatever muscle it is, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because I have no clue what it is. Uh, It makes it really hard when he applies weight on his back foot. So essentially, that means that when somebody is is up against Winston, uh, defensive lineman is is putting pressure and and falls on Winston's back, uh, that that he can't really put pressure or it makes it more difficult to put pressure when he's trying to throw the ball on his predominant foot. And then you factor that in with uh, New Orleans passing attack struggling already on top of the Winston injury. Eighth in dropback expected points added EPA. And for those unfamiliar with that term, EPA is calculated by the expected points scored on the down distance and field position at the start of, uh, of a play compared to the end result. So you think about this Vikings secondary, and I know Mo mentioned this when I was talking about my Vikings future to win the NFC North coming into the season, that this uh, Minnesota back seven, especially in the defensive backfield, there isn't much to ride home about besides Cameron Dantzler. But the one thing I do like in this matchup for the Vikings defense is that Ed Donatel, who was a longtime defensive assistant under Vic Fangio, now runs a similar style defense that Fangio ran during his tenure as a defensive coordinator and Broncos head coach. It's a shell zone. So you're kind of protecting against your your secondary already underperforming. But again, that zone comes into play because Winston, who is already struggling with the back injury and can't really put pressure on that foot more and more throughout a given game, struggles big time against zone defenses. You Think about the way Minnesota wants to play this game. While they don't pressure a ton, uh, again, it's meant to protect a weaker secondary. So I like Minnesota's defensive matchup against a New Orleans offense that's struggling, coupling with the injuries. And then uh, Minnesota's passing attack has struggled to kind of get into a rhythm besides when they're playing up-tempo. I do think Kevin O'Connell is going to try to play more up-tempo in this game, especially against a New Orleans defense that, yes, They've only given up one big-time game against a a passing attack, and that was surprisingly Marcus Mariota and the Falcons in Week 1. But besides Lattimore, who might shadow Justin Jefferson throughout this game, I do think there are some matchups that uh, Cousins could take advantage of on the outside and in the slot 
uh, with Thielen. So it's, I get it. It's tough to back Kirk Cousins, and this is kind of like a primetime window just because even though it's going to be early in the morning, there are no other games uh, going on when Kirk Cousins is playing. But I do think the market is still overvaluing New Orleans by a little bit. And the fact that you're getting this under the key number of three, again, pretty much two and a half consistently across the board. I backed Minnesota at minus two and a half, minus 107 when there was that available at points bet. I kind of like this one here as well. I mean, we have the Vikings averaging 20 points per game in comparison to the Saints 16. But again, for me, it's mostly just how much this Saints team is banged up. We know Winston keeps dismissing his injuries. But on top of that, you have Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry who exit the game with injuries last Sunday. And then adding in, I mean, I think you do have to factor in quite a brutal travel schedule. You have a short, like shorter week with this insane flight time here that we are taking to London. I think it just makes things worse for the Saints team. So I like the Vikings here as well. Mo, what do you have on this one? I thought this number was pretty fair, but I have to agree. There's some some situational stuff like the travel thing is big, I think, when you have this many guys banged up. Absolutely no way I can bet on the Saints right now until I see something better from these guys, like healthy and playing well. Um I had the Panthers last week, a pretty fortunate win. I, I think the Saints deserved a better faith there, outgained by a ton, and, and just a defensive early touchdown, and I think the pretty much Panthers just played situational football after that. It wouldn't have worked out if they didn't get that free touchdown at the beginning, though. Um, but yeah, with Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Alvin Kamara, and Jameis Winston all banged up, I don't... I think it's a good thing when a guy with a broken back has to take a flight across the ocean. That doesn't sound like a great idea to me. (laughs) doesn't sound like he's going to be feeling great to me. I agree that I I don't know if this team can take advantage of this Viking secondary where I do see vulnerability. So um, not a spot I'm looking to fire, but I would have to say if I was going to make a bet on this game, I might fire like Vikings alternate minus six and a half or something. I could see them winning by 10 here against a busted up Saints team. And one one last point on this game, Mo, and, and you guys both brought it up with the travel schedule. New Orleans, I believe, left right after their Carolina loss to go to London. And Minnesota, I think, is leaving on Thursday or Friday. So typically the betting market, especially with these overseas games, comes in on the team that's getting there first from a preparation standpoint. But Mo, I don't know if you want to touch on this really quick, but I think the drop-off is still kind of not being impacted in the betting market or not being taken into account in the betting market enough from Sean Payton to Carmichael in terms of preparation for a game like this. We, you know, we've seen it in the past, New Orleans having a coaching advantage from an offensive preparation standpoint with Payton every single week. Maybe the adjustments aren't there in-game, but the preparation is. I don't think it's it's there with Carmichael, and I think the Saints are getting the benefit of the doubt here in the market with this line not ticking up to three yet. I would have to say, if you look at the way their offense has been playing, it's definitely been better in the second half of like every game, I think, so far. So I could see there being something to that just based on the fact that they just kind of seem to be in a rut early on. And then I think maybe the yards per play and the and the yardage stuff is kind of overstating, honestly, what their offense has produced because a lot of it's came in second halves when they've been down. Uh, they were down in all three games. So I just don't know how much to like read into uh, what they have produced. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely worried about the Saints, man. I was high on the Saints coming in. 
All right, we're going to jump from that game over to the Dolphins and the Bengals. So now the Dolphins are on the road to the Cin- on the road to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals who seem to be dealing with sort of a Super Bowl hangover this season. They are sitting 1 and 2 while the Dolphins are one of the last two remaining undefeated teams in the NFL. Um had a big win last weekend against the Bills and a big weekend big win the weekend before that against the Ravens. They're just kind of crushing dreams all over this league the past few weeks. Now this number opened at Dolphins plus 4 and is now settling at around Miami plus three and a half. Mo, I know you're absolutely shocked by this number. So give us a little bit more detail on why you're taking Dolphins plus three and a half here. Yeah. So some of the like market opening books had a number below three here. And I I think that's right based on the talent level of these teams. Um, I'm very surprised to see barring what happens with Tua? We'll get into that, but I'm very surprised to see the Dolphins as this big of underdogs. I think they've clearly been a better team than Cincinnati so far. I think too many people are getting caught up in, oh, well, you know, the Bills should have won. They ran all these plays. They had all these yards, but but they weren't efficient at all. Uh, they they really weren't, and uh, it's, it's shocking uh, to see from a team that was just absolutely trucking in the first two weeks just – as dominant as you can pretty much be in pro football uh, against reasonable opposition. And and the Dolphins did a very, very good job against them. Uh, the Bills struggled a ton. When they were moving the ball, it was third and five every time, and they would maybe get a first down, maybe not. And it just it wasn't easy. Nothing was easy. It was never second and two or third and one. It was always uh, up in the air whether they were going to get a first down, I felt like. And I just don't usually feel that way with the Bills. Uh, I, I don't understand how the market can be saying Cincinnati is a better team. Uh, I know home teams have done well uh, on Thursdays in the past because getting some some of your prep time lopped off is more important for the road team because it's just a bigger percentage of the week compared to in a, in a full week, if that makes any sense. Um, and I, I think Miami has a big edge up front on the Bengals, man. PFF is very, very unimpressed with the Bengals O-line. They have them 26th in pass blocking. And my eyes tell me the same. Every time I watch them, I don't think they're doing a good job. I don't think Burrow's doing a good job. He's holding onto the ball too long. He's, in the past, he's like taking too many sacks. I I think maybe he's he's not taking enough sacks. (laughs) Because when I'm seeing him play, he's just kind of hurling the ball into harm's way when he's under pressure. And and I think he could have had some more turnovers, honestly, even against the Jets. Market, I think getting too caught up in the fact that they pounded the Jets, who are terrible. I, I just, I don't know if the Bengals are a good team. I'm not believing in them right now. The problem is, if you jump in right now, you're definitely exposing yourself, which I'll be honest, I did. I grabbed some Dolphins, but you're definitely exposing yourself if... Tua ends up not playing, which I think is a legitimate possibility. I I kept my bet a little smaller than I wanted to based on the fact that I do think this line is way too high. Uh, Just, I mean, I don't know what we're going to get at quarterback here, potentially. So uh, definitely a concern, but man, I think if the Dolphins have something close to their their whole team, this this line is too high. I I know everyone's going to want to fade the team after a big win, but I, I don't here. 
and we talked about this and I've, and I've talked to you about how the reason that this game scares me and you've brought it up and you've alluded to it is Tua, right? I mean, we saw him essentially go down, crack the back of his head on the ground, but he essentially cracks the back of his head on the grass, gets up is wobbling a little bit. And then the key that really looks very much like a concussion and not back soreness is when he goes to shake it off, he completely collapses to the ground and loses all of his balance. And for me, and I know for you, I I was shocked that Tua was even allowed back in that game. I I don't know. Apparently he did go into the locker room and I'm assuming past some sort of concussion protocol, but I I can't even imagine he, he would ever be back in that game, nevertheless playing in this game against the Bengals. So I know that's factoring a little bit into your decision as well. Obviously, you've already taken the Dolphins, but I know that's why you probably kept your bet a little bit smaller than you would have liked to. Yeah, I mean, he looked like a newborn baby deer trying to walk after that. (laughs) Not good. I mean, not what you want to see. (laughs) What are your thoughts on this one, Eli? So, Mo, you mentioned the Bengals' offensive line, and I agree with you that From a continuity standpoint, it hasn't been there necessarily, especially over the first two weeks and maybe bits and pieces of the Jets game. But it's still a better offensive line, obviously, with the three new additions coming in um, in the offseason. So I do think from a continuity standpoint that it is going to improve and they're going to refine their play as the weeks go along, including this game. Now, the one other part of this Miami team that I think is vulnerable and still questionable on a short week um, even though the the Bills were on the field for a ton of plays and a ton more plays than Miami's offense, and yes, you're right, Mo, they they weren't efficient, was the fact that the the Dolphins defense was on the field a lot in a in the extreme heat in Miami, and now you're going to Cincinnati on a short week, like Bill Belichick said. Uh, we're we're on to Cincinnati. They're on to play the Bengals, um, playing a high tempo offense that's going to speed things up. They did in the Jets game. I think Burrow is starting to look more comfortable behind this offensive line. I'm not saying I'm going to play it, but I do think a comparison worth um, throwing out there from a college basketball lens is Providence, because. If you bet on college basketball last year, you know Providence wasn't respected by the betting market at all. And we're seeing that um, with the Dolphins a little bit. With everything kind of being baked into the line at this point, sitting at three and a half, four, I don't see a ton of value. I just think it's going to be so intriguing to watch because everybody is doubting this Miami team. So if they pull off this upset, I'm sure we're going to see the market come back against Miami here in the coming weeks. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. All right, it's time to take a, a small step back from football betting talk, but we're not gonna we're not gonna get away from football entirely for this week's WTF segment. What the f- Eli, you posted on Twitter that you went to a wedding in an area that didn't look like it had 
satellite TV access or NFL Sunday ticket during NFL football season, which I... I do have to let you know is like considered a jailable <laughs> offense in my household. So how, how are you feeling about having to step away from the TVs for a little bit and attend a, a wedding? I believe, was it Saturday or Sunday? It was Saturday. So the wedding was Saturday night. Okay. You never know what to expect when it's in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico. And then you couple that with the fact that it was at a farm. So there were still a decent amount of people there, but it was during college football Obviously, on Saturday night, I I don't bet as much on college football as I used to, kind of taking a break from it, really focusing on the NFL on on top of college basketball here in the next couple months. We all just get super busy, and it's hard to kind of find an edge when you're capping three sports hardcore at once. So again, it wasn't as big of a deal for me not watching college football, but it was still extremely odd to be at a farm for a wedding, sitting on hay during the ceremony, uh, just kind of smelled, and I, I wasn't really into it. Festivities were a lot of fun, but being at a ceremony, sitting on hay, was just a, a little weird, guys. It was just a little odd. I'll keep that in mind for my <laughs> upcoming nuptials, but uh, maybe the farm in New Mexico is where you could have seen USC play on the Pac-12 network because <laughs> I can't find that channel anywhere. I was at a sports book on Saturday that did not have... Pac-12 network. So I couldn't watch my game. I had to watch it live. I had to not watch it. I'm sorry. I had to get updates through live tweets, which is always just obviously the best way to watch your team's football game. So, you know, maybe, maybe that rural location is one of the 12 total places that gets Pac-12 network. But I do have to tell you, um, I, we have very strict wedding during football season rules in my household that I was made well aware of before I ever uh, committed into this relationship. And that is, there are, my my significant, significant other attends zero weddings during football season unless I am in the bridal party. And even with that, I we're, we're on very limited, like, we will go to the reception, but maybe not the ceremony. But yeah, zero travel for weddings unless I'm in the wedding party and it is considered a very close friend. I have gone to, I don't even know how many weddings I can tell you solo. And I get people going, is this true? Like you're attending, but your plus one isn't. I'm like, (laughs) I just, it's a little embarrassing, but Mo, do you think we're insane or do you have, do you have specific rules for weddings during NFL season? I don't know that I've ran into this issue. I don't know that I've (laughs) ran into this issue. I think I'm from Nebraska, so fall weddings are like a no-no anyways around here. Although nowadays, there's not much to watch, so maybe we should, maybe maybe people should be getting married in the fall, but they don't. So yeah, it's very rare. I think maybe, I can only think of one that I've gone to in like the last five years, uh, but you know, I might need a plus one for my buddy's wedding in the spring, so any of you ladies on Twitter, <laughs> leave it in the comments. DMs. Leave it in the comments. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You got to take. You got to. You got to take your shot, Mo. You got to take your shot. Uh, when the chance is there. Shot. <laughs> if any of you beautiful ladies on Twitter want to head to Omaha, Nebraska, for the upcoming wedding season, let Mo know. Maybe like maybe Mo, if you have one in like a different location, it might be a little <laughs> bit more enticing for that. 
Nicole <laughs> speaking for every for every lady out there. Or you know, or they could just move the venue to New Mexico and have it on a farm. I'm sure there are a lot of farms though in hay specifically. Right. Hay during the during the during the ceremony itself. It was I can't lie. It was a little bizarre, even though the there were no animals, so it wasn't like a traditional farm. It was it was a little odd. It just added to the ambiance. But let us know if you guys have specific rule. Are we insane? Should I like you know break up with my significant other for these crazy rules? Should Eli stop complaining about having to sit on hay for his rustic <laughs> wedding that he went to this weekend? Let us know your thoughts. I mean, we were we know we're insane, so we would you know welcome any comments but all right back to some football Eli back to you bills are on the road heading to Baltimore to face the two and one Ravens the bills have suffered their first loss last week to Miami but it looks like the string of injuries is finally catching up to this bills team the Ravens on the other hand are coming off of an impressive win over the Patriots we touched on this that after that week two loss to the Dolphins they had to rebound and they seem to do that in week three um why do you like the Ravens here at plus three and a half yeah so this line on the look at line was Buffalo minus four before their loss to the Dolphins like you mentioned market came in or the adjustment at slash the betting market bumped this down to Ravens plus three so Bills being favored by a field goal on the road then the market, which is expected, came back in on Buffalo, the Super Bowl favorites, and it settled in at three and a half. And I would expect this thing to close maybe three, but maybe a juiced Ravens plus three and a half, minus 115. I still think this number is is still uh, could very well close at three and a half, minus 110, both ways. But looking at how Lamar Jackson has performed over the first three weeks, like you mentioned, Nicole, too, that... Uh, Jackson and this Ravens offense was exceptional, in the, especially in the second half. And getting J.K. Dobbins certainly added to, to their explosiveness offensively, even though he was a little limited. But Lamar Jackson, over the first three weeks of the season, is number one in the NFL across all quarterbacks in big-time throw rate. And he's also, uh, tallied the third highest expected points added uh, through the air. And I mentioned what EPA is earlier in the show. And if you want to check out uh, a little more of an explanatory um, reasoning into why people calculate EPA when they're looking at uh, betting lines and, and spreads, totals, et cetera. You could check out that at thelines.com. But this bill secondary is very banged up. So not only is Lamar Jackson playing really well and playing at an MVP level, he's top five within the uh, five shortest uh, odds to an NFL MVP. So you have a Buffalo secondary that is without Micah Hyde for the rest of the season, done for... Uh, the I, I think even if or the Bills will be in the playoffs, but I think uh, throughout the uh, playoffs too, Hyde is out. Uh, Poyer and Jackson, a safety and a cornerback for Buffalo, are probably questionable. I, I would say on the wrong side of questionable, but I, I don't think they're going to be necessarily ruled out even when the Friday injury report comes along. And then obviously the Bills' number one cornerback, Tredavious White, is out for this game. He was placed on PUP. I think Lamar Jackson is able to take advantage of a banged up Buffalo secondary with Bateman, with Mark Andrews uh, over the middle. Also Duvernay on the outside, who has been, who's taken a big step um, from an explosive standpoint and getting separation off the line of scrimmage. So really like the Ravens offense from a matchup standpoint. And then uh, Mo, you mentioned this earlier with the Bills and maybe the market taking too much into account 
uh, with them being on the field and so much offensively in that Dolphins game and and them telling so many more plays just overall than Miami did offensively, even though they were inefficient. But on the flip side of that, they were on the field so much, and I, I do think that could play a little bit of a role from a fatigue standpoint. It's not a short week for Buffalo. They're getting the full week off before playing the Ravens on Sunday. But this Ravens secondary is also healthy um, for the most part, besides the the fuller injury with him tearing his ACL, their nickel back. But Humphrey looked better from just a um, off-the-line-of-scrimmage standpoint and his ability to stay with New England's wide receivers. Now, obviously, Buffalo has a much more uh, tenacious and um, imposing receiver group. But you have Humphrey and Peters looking healthier as as the weeks go along here. So I, I don't think this is as bad of a matchup for Baltimore secondary as it might appear on paper. And when you look at the the metrics and how Baltimore's secondary has gotten exposed over the first three weeks, even against New England in the first half and early on in the second half before Mac Jones decided to turn the ball over and obviously suffered the high ankle sprain. So I really like this matchup for Baltimore, especially over the key number of a field goal. I'll be taking the Ravens. I did take the Ravens at plus three and a half, minus 107 on points bet, and you can get the best of the number um, at thelines.com looking at the, the latest odds. And then one last point I want to bring up in terms of Super Bowl futures there's still one plus 1,800 out there for Baltimore to win it all. I'm on the Ravens from the from the uh, preseason at 20 to 1. If the Ravens win this game outright, which I think is very possible, uh, still a very possible outcome, even though I have most of my money invested on the Ravens uh, against the spread. Um, if Baltimore wins this game outright, that number is gone. Plus 1,800 is gone. So if you want to back Baltimore to win it all, I would uh, recommend doing so before this game kicks off. I'm with you on this one, mostly just because, and you've touched on it pretty well, but the Bills injuries, like you said, they were already out. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, the list keeps growing. They've added cornerback Christian Benford out with a broken hand. They're down two defensive linemen, a potentially another wide receiver and Jake Kumaro. And with that and the fact that, like you said, Lamar is on fire right now. He became the first player since Randall Cunningham in 1990 to have four passing touchdowns, 100 yards rushing, and one rushing touchdown in the same game. Now, I'm not saying that Allen isn't putting up big numbers as well, but I like the Ravens here in this spot. Mo, what do you have to say? Piling on for sure. Um, (laughs) Also a fan of the Ravens here. I don't think the Bills should be more than minus three here. Uh, I, I do have some concerns for sure. I'm really worried about this Baltimore secondary. I, I like them on paper. I, I just don't understand why they're not having more success. I mean, Mac Jones, 8.6 yards per drop back. That's not good. That's not what we want to see. The picks were good. I mean, the, you know, the turnovers were ugly from, from the Mac Jones end. So I, I like that the Ravens are still making big plays, but just too many weeks in a row now, just allowing so many big plays. I, I'm a little worried about it, but but on the other end of it, it's just, man, I, two rookie corners and two backup safeties, that's as, that's as worrisome as it gets in the secondary. I think um, the Ravens should have a ton of success moving the ball here. Because I do think this is going to be a high-scoring game, I think I like Moneyline more than uh, Ravens plus the points. I think reasonable chance, like you said, that they win this game. It just looks like a more explosive offense, honestly, than the Bills have right now, which is kind of crazy to say. But um, if you have corners that can match up, which I think the Ravens do, 
we saw what happened to the Bills against the Dolphins last week. When I was watching that game, basically every possession was just turning into dump-offs and uh, short passes to Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, Devin Singletary had the most catches on the team, I think. He had the most targets on the team. That's not what you want at all. <laughs> That's not normal for the Bills. I, I think we could see something similar here because Humphrey and, and Peters could do a decent job against Diggs especially Marlon Humphrey. I guess I would be worried because of, of you know, Peters' potential to, to bite on a, a double move. You know, Diggs could definitely burn him deep, but it's it, it's overall the line is too high to me, and I really like the money line. Don't mind alternate over whatever you can find, too. This could be a really high-scoring game. Dang, we should have saved this one for the last one so we could <laughs> go out on an agreement like we did last time, but... We didn't. Uh, last but not least, we are going to take it into Mo's final pick of the day, and we are going to take a look at the Titans versus the Colts. Now, Mo, we do have to give Eli some credit where credit is due. We did not think the Colts were going to get there last week against the Chiefs, your team, but but they did, and they managed to pull off the win. Um, now the Titans are traveling to Indy and are sitting at plus three and a half. So before you get into your pick at why you like Tennessee here. Do you want to give Eli some credit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit. Of, I'll be, I'll give him credit for getting getting a great number for sure. I won't give him credit <laughs> for what happened afterward because, uh, yeah, that game the Chiefs should have won by ten, and that's definitely factoring into my thinking here. If the market is giving one ounce of credit to the Colts for that win, they definitely shouldn't be. They look horrible. Uh, I think I saw they had negative average EPA per play in that game. That's bad. Um, so on average, they were hurting their chances to score points with every snap they took. <laughs> That's not great. But uh, yeah, I, I just think this line seems batshit crazy to me. I mean, <laughs> if I thought the Dolphins line was pretty bad, but I mean, I at least have some concerns there. I cannot see how the Titans can be plus three and a half against the Colts. I'm completely fine with plus three uh, as well at lower juice. Um, this one, again, the market is telling me the Colts are better, and I think that is bananas. Uh, this team looks atrocious. I mean, the Chiefs completely dominated them up front when the Colts had the ball. I think when I was watching that game, I have to say to you guys, the worst player in the NFL is the Colts' right guard. I have never seen someone <laughs> just get bowled over every third play like he was. That was incredible. Um, and, and the Titans do not have a cakewalk defensive front. I mean, Danico Autry and, and Jeffrey Simmons, like these guys will ruin your day in a hurry if you don't block them. Way better quarterback to me in, in this game. I mean, Ryan, Matt Ryan looks atrocious. Ryan Tannehill, he's been <laughs> decent, actually. He was pretty good against the Raiders. He was pretty good in week one as well. Uh, he's been very efficient so far. I know that the Bills kicked his ass, but it's the Bills, you know? I, I can forgive him for that. Bills on the road. I'm willing to throw that one out there when he's playing well outside of that. Uh, yeah, I, I just think I'm stunned that the market, anybody thinks the Colts are better. I don't think they've watched the Colts. I, I'm not impressed with the Titans, really. I don't think they're... A great team. I didn't come into this season high on them at all, but I, I think they're playing much better than the Colts. Uh, lower scoring game, I think here. So 
plus three and a half in a game like that seems just really, really good to me. I I got to say, I love the passion. I knew we would get it because we were talking about a game against your Chiefs. So I knew we would get a little a little bit of spark <laughs> out of you here at the end. Eli, what do you uh, think about this one? Are you in agreement with Mo? Yeah, I can't. I can't end this podcast like we did last week, unfortunately, because I do think the betting market is giving Tennessee a little too much credit um, for their win over Las Vegas. I agree that Tannehill did look good, but Titans secondary, you mentioned their their front seven and their ability to get after the quarterback. I'm, I'm with you there, even though they have some injuries and they have some linebacker turnover from last season, losing their, their sack leader. But you go back to the Raiders and just some, some things to throw at you, Mo. Um, going back to last season, just thinking about how the Raiders kind of overperformed and maybe the market giving the Raiders too much credit entering this season. And I still think that uh, Broncos Raiders line is, I'm probably not going to touch that overall, but Raiders being favored by almost a field goal at home, even in a must win spot seems a little, a little off to me, despite the, the Broncos uh, issues offensively and Russell Wilson definitely taking a step back uh, at the quarterback position, but Raiders last year, seven and three in one score games, four and oh in overtime. They benefited a lot from uh, COVID in terms of facing backup quarterbacks. So I going back to last week, even though the Raiders were favored on the road and, and Tennessee performed well, I still think overall it was just two bad football teams. And I, I know you don't like Indianapolis, but from a power rating standpoint, I still have the Colts rated higher than Tennessee. Um, if you want to bet this down or if anyone's going to, if the markets is, is going to push this down to three minus 110, I might come in on Indianapolis. I, I do think Ryan could take advantage of a pretty weak Titan secondary. So Mo and I might be against each other yet again after Monday Night Football. But he, to give him credit, he did win that that battle. So maybe he'll take take me out if I do end up on Indianapolis. Here I thought maybe we would end with a nice kumbaya moment once again, and you had to go and, and ruin it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> As always, thank you for tuning in every week for Beat the Closing Line. Eli and I will be back on Thursday with a special guest podcast. As always, if you want to bet any of the games that you have heard, go over to thelines.com. We have all the latest odds and all of the best operator promos. Good luck with your bets this week. That wraps it up for today's video. We will see you next time.